Should I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. like mainly dependent on guano was yes. it like naru or something like that uh, yeah there there's were, there were several actually yeah i'm thinking south america but yeah this is the award-winning stamp show here today if you can dream it we can collect it this is episode number three god damn hold on <laughs> we'll fix it in post yeah <laughs> live from the world's largest deposit of guano this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 323, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Becca. This is Don. Yeah, He's Don. being last. Don, you're <laughs> back from, uh, when was the last time you were on? I don't know. I dug myself out of the guano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking about guano, I want to give a shout out to the uh, possession, U.S. Possessions Society, Possessions in Conflict by Juan Rivera. Rivera? Rivera? How, how do you think you pronounce that? I don't want to. With a name like Brafus myself, I want to get yeah, his name correct. You and your silent letters. Yeah. I would go with Riera. Riera. Okay. Mr. Riera, if uh, you're listening, uh, I am very sorry for butchering your name. Anyway, uh, he wrote a very cool article about the U.S. trust territories, possessions in conflict. And the thing that got me sort of on this is the guano laws of 1940. Or excuse me. The guano laws of 1840. I don't think any guano laws from 1940, although uh, they did have it for a while. Um, it is, uh, well, you guys all read it. Yeah, it, it's interesting that guano is such a resource and an important resource, especially during war. Well, yeah, the um, just to give everybody a bit, uh, potassium nitrate comes from guano, and if you play war games... You have uh, niter. A lot of war games have you have to find niter. Well, uh, what that is, and if you're a war game player, you're going to get some uh, experience points here. Napoleon fought his war with gunpowder, and the gunpowder was made out of sulfur, charcoal, and basically fermented horse urine. In the Civil War, they upgraded everything to charcoal, sulfur, 
But instead of fermented horse urine, they started using guano, which is uh, bird droppings. Mostly seagull droppings, but they also get bat droppings. And from this, you get potassium nitrate. And that's what niter is. And so when you're searching uh, your map looking for niter deposits, what you're actually looking for is places where a whole bunch of seagulls pooped on a lot of rocks so that you can make gunpowder out of it. Blow stuff up. Blow stuff up. And uh, the article talks about how the unoccupied islands in the Pacific, which kind of today are all U.S. trust territories, include uh, Marshall Islands and Guam and stuff, uh, there is actually what's called the Guano Law, which is you could go to any uninhabited island and you could farm the guano and the U.S. government would protect you from, you know, uh, being attacked by hostile forces. And uh, the, um, what was it, in the ni- 1920s, they sent Hawaiian they uh, recruited 130 Hawaiians to occupy these li- islands. Yeah. Young Hawaiian men. Yep. Just fresh out of high school or sometimes still in high school. And uh, they occupied these little trust territories. And uh, if you want the whole story, look it up. This is a really nice little article. But I like the fact that uh, they address the guano laws. But what an interesting opportunity for a young man in Hawaii to uh, you know to, to take part in they did they they had to recruit civilians because they, they they couldn't use military personnel yeah he, that's what they were pointing out is they had to make this absolutely non-military based yeah and uh, still uh, a lot of them died in World War II when the Japanese came to their atolls and uh, seized them yeah because these these places were bombed yep you know, I mean, they didn't necessarily have to step foot there. But, uh, but yeah, a lot of these guys lost their lives. I thought it was really cool. I had heard about the U.S. taking some of them or U.S. P- Americans taking some of them. But I didn't know the aftermath, which I learned from this article. So it's definitely worth a read. And I just happen to be a member of the U.S. Uh, Possession Society. I collect Philippines, and uh, it's a great group. I Strongly suggest anybody who wants to join a great society, join it. It is also an APS affiliate. And it doesn't hurt that you're really interested in guano. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Guano being the big plus there. Well, this is uh, after the stamp show. We just had the Las Vegas stamp show. Yes. And uh, I have a little story to share. And I wanted to sort of go through uh, the economics of it. Uh, a really good friend of the show and a good friend of PSE sold me a book, a stock book full of stamps. And he had walked it around the floor and uh, the highest offer he got was $600. And I looked at it and said, well, what's the catalog value? And he said, the catalog value is like $7,000. And I go, 8% of catalog? That doesn't make any sense. You know, how much do you want for it? And he said $800. And I said, fine. You know, $800, not a problem. Uh, so I got it home and I added it up. And it didn't have $7,000 in catalog value. It had just a little over $4,000 in catalog value, which made sense as to why he got $600 offers. And I'm going to, I mean, me and Mark are probably going to uh, disagree slightly because we have different markets that we purchase for. 
But for me, I like to buy stuff in the 15 to 20% range. So even at the $4,000 plus dollars, uh, the $600 made sense because that was like a 15%. I mean, an 8% was ridiculous. But a 15% purchase price because you have to... I'm. You never get 100% of catalog value unless it's like graded or something great. Generally speaking, I sell at the top end at 50% and at the bottom end at 30%. Second thing is sometimes when you buy these groups, you'll have bad stamps in them. You'll have a fault that wasn't detected. You'll have a stamp that was cataloged as never hinged. It actually turns out to be hinged and that's a hit. So a 15% purchase price may with bad luck go up to 17 or 20 percent for me that's what happens so then when i sell for 25 to 30 percent i'm looking at like a 33 percent return but i want to sell it quicker i want things to sell for you know within a year or two so for me a 15 percent purchase price makes sense at a show um, Mark, how, how do you buy stuff? And, and what's your comment if, you know, a person was walking around and gave you a $4,000 catalog? By the way, this was mostly mint never hinged with a lot of mint hinged in it. What do you, how do you buy? Well, at the show, I, I shopped for individual stamps. I think I bought maybe about 75 individual stamps. But, uh, but I'm definitely looking at the, um, at, at the quality of the stamp and, and, uh, and a stamp that's going to retail a little bit higher because the way I figure it is um, I can spend the exact same amount of time scanning, describing, and listing a stamp for $100 as I would for a stamp for $10. So uh, I just base it uh, on, on – I base my buying on, on the amount of time that I have and the amount of time I'll have to invest in selling the stamp. And I don't mind if the, if if the stamp takes more than a, than a year to sell because um, you know if if it's a if it's a quality stamp, um, you know it will eventually sell. What's your price range? Uh, I think my average selling price is around forty to fifty dollars. I, I mean, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, what's your average percentage of catalog? Oh, that I that I buy that you buy, and then what's the average that you sell? I think uh, I think at the show I probably spent about fifty percent of catalog, and I typically sell um, seventy five to uh, uh, percent and higher if it's if it because I'm always I'm also looking for stamps that are going to grade, um, so they're going to sell for for you know you know one hundred twenty five one hundred fifty maybe you know up to three hundred percent of catalog. Oh yeah 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 because nothing I got was gradable. My stuff is uh, basically, and Don actually does my scanning for me, so uh, she sees everything. Uh, you know, it's not bad quality, but it is priced to move quicker. And uh, so that's my goal is not to make a killing. You know, I mean, I'm not a hundred percent person. There's nothing wrong with those people. I know quite a few of them. You know, they'll buy a stamp for forty dollars, they'll put it up for eighty dollars. I buy a stamp for $40, I put it up for like $55 and then hope it sells quickly because I would rather take the $55 than spend literally years to get $80. And uh, one of the business models like that was Bill Lang's, 
Bill Langs would buy something and he would put it up at 100% profit or more. And he would sit on it until it's old. And, you know, five years later, six years later, and, uh, you know, it's unfortunately he died, you know, right. so, but uh, nice guy. Otherwise, um, quality of stamps, you know, we won't comment on, but nice guy. Yeah. But the, uh, the whole idea is if you take your stamps to a stamp show and you offer them to most dealers, the dealer is either going to be like me or Mark. Um, how about, uh, well, like Dave Cobb, shout out to Dave Cobb. He was there. He ran the show. It was his show. Um, he does basically sort of a hundred percent markup, but he gets the best quality stamps you will ever see. I mean, if he has it, you probably have never seen it before. A lot of stuff. I mean, he hasn't, uh, when we went to the table, he had a four nine, uh, five ninety six. He had a five yeah. A. Yeah, and, guaranteed. He's got stuff that that's not in your collection. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so what's your process for uh, going to the dealers and buying individual items? Uh, well, I first uh, uh, look to see you know what what it is they're they're selling because um, I only buy United States. That's that's my only interest. So um, I you know I kind of take a once around the room and see, you know, who's there and, and, uh, and who I can, um, um, you know, who I can purchase from. And also, uh, I take into account if I've seen that dealer before, I may have seen this dealer, the same dealer, you know, two shows ago. So, uh, the odds that their stock has changed significantly since I last saw them is probably pretty low. So I'll go to a dealer that I haven't seen, uh, for a while or have never, you know, never visited. So, uh, I def I, uh, I, because I specialize mostly in unused stamps, I don't start with Scott number one. Um, I, I generally leave the classics to um, to other dealers. Um, so I'm typically starting around uh, the 200s or so to to look for for stamps. And uh, and of course, I'm primarily looking for. I'll buy anything that has the chance of of advancing my own collection. Oh, um, me too. Me so, too. Um, <laughs> Very much. Right. So, I, and and in this show, I, I think I found a uh, uh, a uh, Scott number uh, um, five sixty nine, the the thirty cent Buffalo uh, flat plate, um, that I think is going to improve. Uh, that I think is definitely going to improve the stamp that I have in my collection. So I'm really pleased about that. Um, so um, and everything and anything else that doesn't um, that doesn't cut it, uh, I'll go ahead and, and resell. Or, or in the case of this 569, if it improves the one in my cal- in my collection, I'll I'll sell the one for my collection. Yeah, I, w- I did the same thing. Uh, Gary Greenberg, shout out to Gary and uh, Sherry. I hope you're feeling better too if you're listening to the podcast. Um, he and we were having our experts meeting on Thursday here at BSE. We get a bunch of experts and we pass around the table. And I called. I saw this stamp, and I called Gary, and I go. Uh, I'm bringing everybody here to uh, beat you down on the price, basically. <laughs> but he had, a, I exhibit U.S. number, uh, well, I actually, my exhibit is de, uh, January 1st, 1850 to December 31st, 1859, the Industrial Revolution. And he had a strip of three of U.S. number 25 on piece from the bottom of plate number four, that shows the really microscopic, they're almost touching 
to the huge border. And it, basically what it was is the... You're talking about the, the space in between the stamps. The space, the margins in between the stamps. And this item shows why they couldn't continue using the old plates because when they were perforating, there's just no way to line the perforations up. And as a matter of fact, this one, the perforations went into the stamp like 20%. I mean, they were way off because there's no way to line it up. And uh, so he sold that. to. I negotiated them down to 350 bucks. It replaces an item in my exhibit exactly the same. Very, very happy about that. Uh, I think, uh, Don, you were there when we were negotiating. Yes, I watched the negotiations, yes. <laughs> yeah. We, but, yeah. We were trying to convince him that uh, that you really weren't that interested in the stamp, but uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he was buying it since there no. were like nine people on the call. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, Cash had his posse in there to work this deal, didn't you? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. So, Becky, you didn't show up for the show, but you show up for a lot of them. I mean, you were uh, working, unfortunately. But when you buy, what do you buy? Um, I try to buy around the 20 to 30% of catalog, catalog value range. But yours is mostly? Mostly topical as well. Um, so I didn't find this at a stamp show, but during the time that I've been off, I was on facebook in a group that i belong to that they're all fans of john denver and he's my favorite musical artist of all time and somebody posted a um souvenir sheet of his stamps from tanzania (laughs) and i went and i looked on ebay and i found it and so i got that while i was while i was not at the show um but I was also able to tell someone else who was like, oh, that's so cool in the group, exactly what it was that they were going to look for on eBay because they didn't know a souvenir sheet from just a postcard. So I was yeah. able to help with that. And, and, and who, would, who would have thought that John Denver was such a, uh, you know, so popular in Tanzania? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It looked like there were actually several countries that had, or at least a couple of countries that had souvenir sheets for him, so... Actually, we had a famous person show up at the stamp show. Were you there the day that uh, Mark from Pawn Stars showed up? No. Oh, they, they, he's called the Beard of Knowledge. And uh, talking about world, you know, knowing people across the globe and stuff. Uh, he sat there and he talked to us. He's a member of the Las Vegas Stamp Club. Um, he is obviously a collector of everything. He collects uh, U.S., but mostly he collects uh postal seals and stuff like that. And he was telling us that he goes to other countries like Ireland and he's walking down next to a pub and the people in the pub grab him, drag him into the pub and buy him <laughs> drinks. <laughs> so, you know, everybody knows him. He And, and this is just a guy who goes on Pawn Stars <laughs> and tells people what's there. And he's that popular. So I'm, I'm not surprised that John Denver... Yeah, you know, obviously Tanzania is in the market for making stamps too. <laughs> yes. But. Yeah. So Mark, uh, I was asked, are we going to get him on the podcast? And I'm actually going. You know, uh, Jim Forty uh, knows him personally, so uh, maybe we can have an in that we can uh, grab him and bring him in. We could use some knowledge in this place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
the beard, even, a, even a beard of it. The beard of knowledge. Oh yeah, if you look on Facebook, he was. You know, everybody has to wear masks, and he's his beard is so big <laughs> that the mask was like four inches from his face. <laughs> so I mean, totally ineffective. It, in other words. It, 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 Extra there, filter. There was a, <laughs> there was no way for it to work. I mean, it How do you breathe with that thing on? <laughs> so anything else going on? Uh, well, the uh, one of the uh, uh, one of the defining characteristics of the Las Vegas show was that it was very cold. Oh God! And we asked him like four times. It, there was a multi-level marketing program thing, and they had a whole bunch of people, and they were next to us, and then three down. So you know, we had one room, and they had like four rooms. Right. And this is the conference area of the yeah. Nor uh, New Orleans. So they had a hundred people warming up their room. So obviously, they jacked way down the air conditioning, and us poor stamp collectors, you know. At the top, we might have had like 20 people in the room. <laughs> and uh, this is the first show. Uh, one person uh, emailed me and said, oh, I went. It was total waste. It's like, it's the first one. You know, we, we have the little club show, but this is the first Las Vegas show. So we, we only got, eh, we got less than 200 people. But it's the first show. Next year will be better. I mean, we're Las Vegas. Yeah. But we did not have enough people to warm up that room. Right. <laughs> well, could, well, is it just the locals that were freezing? Because I'm thinking, you know, all of us desert people. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true too. You know, it's 100 degrees outside even now, and mm -hmm. uh, you go inside, and you know, 70 feels like it's freezing. Nope, fall is hitting. It's it's 88. Oh, it's 88. Oh, yeah. Now that the, the room was definitely below 70. Oh, fun, <laughs> fu funny story about Scott coming in. Uh, Scott, the president of PSE, you know, people we, my partner and uh, my business partner, not my real partner. Yeah, I'm your real partner. <laughs> <laughs> <a> real partner. <laughs> the uh, and uh, so I'll go to shows and I'll wear a bunch of stuff, including red tailcoats and pirate hats and stuff like that. We have matching tailcoats. Yes. And so uh, he went in, and he was looking for me, and he couldn't find me. And he looked and looked, and uh, Jeannie, the head of the stamp club, goes, there he is, right there in the corner. And he didn't recognize me because I was wearing a suit. <laughs> well, you were wearing a suit jacket, yeah. Well, was, <laughs> you weren't flamboyant enough. Yeah, so so he, he didn't recognize me wearing a suit. <laughs> <laughs> what Jeannie should have said was, look at, for the red shoes. Yeah, look for the red shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, my stamp show, I had a fun. Sh I had a fun time, and I had an okay show. I uh, there was only one dealer who complained, and uh, everybody else was happy. And so, with that, we're going to in, in, next year. I'm going to be involved with it with uh, the nonprofit. So, uh, Pat, uh, stamp show here today, and everything will be a sponsor, and you know, working on the bourse and everything like that. So. Next year, about this time, come to Las Vegas, and uh, we're going to have a really nice stamp show. And maybe Mark from Pawn Stars will show up again. Yeah. <laughs> and Mark from Stamp Show here today, guaranteed, will show up. Sure. <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll pass out parkas on the... Yeah, we'll light a bonfire in the middle of the... <laughs> I'll bring the marshmallows. <laughs> 
Well, that's it. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Collecting happens when we dream together.